Hello and welcome to another episode of the Plastics Podcast, the show with two American wankers who try to keep it from getting too personal. You're joined by New York City Marathon runner-up, me, Blair LaCrosse, and New York City Marathon winner, wow, Maddie Gaylor. Two hours and eight minutes. I oh, ran in the men's marathon. My goodness. Were you on a, on a car? Were you in a car? I was on a bender. Let's go. <laughs> you were drunk during this. Okay. <laughs> Our third comrade is out with a cold. Get well soon, Jacob. We love you. This week, Arsenal keep the powder dry in a rainy showdown with Crosstown rivals Chelsea, taking all three points in the process. There's a new dad in town as Unai Emery's villains get the better of the Red Devils. And finally, Tottenham take a swim in the deep end against Liverpool, but can't quite come away with the points. There's no lifeguard on duty. This and more, and some other shit. What you in this installment of the Plastics Podcast. Let's go. Conte famously never learned how to swim. Really? I have no idea. I just made that up. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Conte. I would love... He seems like a very dense person. Like, he's constructed very densely of dense material. He's if you built will. different. Yeah. Like, he seems like if you dropped him in a body of water, he would just sink like a statue. Like a, a concrete statue. Oh, I always pictured him the same kind of makeup as Thomas Tuchel. Really thready. Really? Okay. It's his hair. I think it's his hair. Because they have very wispy hair. Yeah, he's he's very wispy, man. Thinning is another way of putting that. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, Gante, again. <laughs> Luckily, there are procedures for these things, as uh, he knows. Um, Blair, we, on this audio medium, have a visual aspect today. We have a boot on our table. That's right. Why? Why do we have a boot? The Plastics Podcast has a trophy cabinet. <laughs> one trophy and right now there's one trophy in it yeah, yeah, which yeah. is more than some others can say about their trophy cabinets yeah their we'll cabinets might just have cups <laughs> <laughs> dishes that's right maddie we won our kickball league and not only won our kickball league we won every single game we mm. had people show up to every single game yes. which was i think the biggest winner of the league it's a very impressive feat showing up we had a lot of games that were uh forfeited due to players mm. not showing up on the opposite teams but you know what we show up we show That's up right. for our team and we showed up on saturday and we showed two teams that lester pool kickball team uh really knew how to kick balls <laughs> and describe what we were playing to european foreigners yeah there was a lot of i think germans for some reason in williamsburg were they german uh, the family, I don't think it was German. I think it was more Italian. Okay. Mine were Germans. Yeah. I, I also had to explain what kickball was. Yeah. And, um, what well, was your explanation? I said, it's like baseball, but with your feet. I said, it's like baseball, but soccer. And okay. they said, okay. So yeah. thank you. They were enamored with it though. It's oh, like, really? You've never seen kickball before? 
the family that I was talking to were the ones standing behind home plate for about 20 minutes uh, watching us. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. There's not really a viewing section. Um, so yeah. a lot of people just kind of watch from behind home plate the and heckle gallery. you. Yeah. Yeah. They were heckling. They were making fun of my, uh, narrow hips. Um, <laughs> <laughs> your narrow birthing hips. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, but I we all credit to uh, you know our teammates. I think we had a really solid you know team spirit all year. Everybody came, clocked in. They you know put in the, the hours, um, practiced really stayed focused. in the off hours. Yeah, no, no other sort of ulterior issues off the field. I think we just really had a great group, a great system in place with our manager Solo. <laughs> Shout out to you, Solo. Um, our manager. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he really just uh, he managed all of, the personalities yeah, on the team. He's a great man and woman manager, um, <laughs> which is what this team was. So, <laughs> thank you to Solo for having us, and um, you're welcome for the trophy. <laughs> <laughs> and you're welcome for taking it home, even though we were one third of the team. Yes. <laughs> Should we get into this week's games? Uh, yeah, let's do it. Well, I guess this one day of games that we watched. <laughs> yeah, and so. Uh, to be clear, we couldn't watch the games on Saturday. We were too busy winning. Yeah, um, and there were some good games on Saturday, which is rather unfortunate. So didn't we count like twenty some goals yeah, scored that we just lot. completely missed? It was a lot. Yeah. Um, let's see, 10, 14, 19, 21. <clears throat> that sounds about right. Yeah, that's a lot of goals, man. Yeah, but you know what? Two teams that clean sheets this weekend. Was it just the two? In just the, the two. Who were they, Maddie? That would be Leicester and Arsenal, both with clean sheets, both striving to do better and better. Um, uh, before we get into this, Maddie, yeah, I have to ask you, are okay. you feeling in a better mood about Leicester's fortunes as the season continues on? It seems like you are. I have watched less of their games so I think that helps. <laughs> That's improving. Yeah. Um, I feel better about Danny Ward. Okay. I'm still not sure how I feel about Brendan Rodgers yet. Mm -hmm. I'm glad that we're making a comeback and I'm glad that he's really like pick up, picked up the pace of the team and like the intensities there again. And I really like the new defensive signing Valfoss. I just, I think he's a really good addition to the team. He brought a lot of energy and that's, I think what, they needed. They needed something to kick him in the ass and make him win a few games. That's six clean sheets. Thank you. Pretty solid. Yeah. It's pretty solid. Um, yeah, Valfoss had a tough start to life at Leicester, I think. But um, when he finally got his feet under him, he seems to be doing quite well. So I mean, um, he, he came in after the summer window. Yeah. We lost a couple games, and I don't think he played because he was just coming in. And then he started. His first game was pretty bad. But after yeah, exactly. that, yeah. After that, he was like, you know, a new man. Should All we talk right. about the other clean sheet? <laughs> Let's talk about it. Chelsea, Chelsea nil. One Arsenal. <laughs> wait, wait. Chelsea, Chelsea nil. <laughs> one. That's creepy. I don't Arsenal. like it. Yeah. All right. Let's not do that. What's uh, what happened, Blair? Arsenal won. <laughs> and Maddie, would it be unfair of me to say that this was a rather dominant performance from the Gunners? I now, think it I was. There's a lot of bias involved. With there is, but it was said after the game that this was an absolute route of a 1-0 game. Mm. Arsenal never looked out of control. Well, okay, that's a lie. The game <laughs> was absolutely out of control. Like, there, you said at one point, I've never seen the ball bounce so much. Mm. It, it just was very chaotic. But 
Chelsea never got control of themselves. Yep. Arsenal at least had the composure to finish one. <laughs> yes, we can get to that goal. It was a very interesting uh, corner routine and um, some interesting defensive tactics from Chelsea I don't know. Players. I like his defensive tactics. Yeah. <laughs> I'd want to be the the offensive player right there. Yeah, Mark and a nice hug. Feeling the love. Yeah. Yeah, 1-0 uh, typically doesn't betray a game where one team dominated the other. Um, but I think the numbers definitely back up that this was a pretty sound defeat for... Chelsea at the hands of Arsenal. Um, I think that Arsenal generated most of the attacking threat in this game. Um, and, you know, at the end of the day, the 1-0 win, I think, is pretty well earned. Um, it was a very interesting game. I mean, it is raining in London today, which I think affected all the games we watched, basically. Yep. Um, and, yeah, it seemed like it made the conditions a bit tricky for the players. There was a lot of slipping going on. Um, people couldn't quite wait the passes very well uh, at times. The, the pitch must have been a bit, you know, um, fast, as they say, uh, like, a, like in golf, you know, when the, the greens are fast. Yeah, I love golf. Oh, okay. You play a lot. <laughs> yeah, I, I, hit, I, I hit the balls. I play the back nine all day long. <laughs> But this is really interesting to me because it was one. It was a game where I think Arsenal were able to assert themselves on the road uh, at Stamford Bridge. They had most of the possession um, and had long stretches of possession where we were able to sort of pass around the back and move the ball into midfield and out wide um, and just keep cycling it um, like we like to do. And I think Chelsea really struggled to gain a foothold in this game and really to generate threat because they just couldn't control the midfield. Right now, they're running with Jorginho, really, as their only um, sort of recognizable central holding midfielder. And then they had uh, Mason Mount and Ruben Loftus-Cheek in there as well. And, uh, yeah, I just think they, they struggled with, you know, Zinchenko tucking in, uh, with Ben White tucking in, and Thomas Partey really being the main hub in the middle of the field. And that really shows to me, because if you look at the touch numbers for Chelsea attacking players... The most that uh, any of them had was 38 between Mason Mount and Sterling. They each had 38 touches. That is a lot less than what uh, Arsenal were able to generate. Um, Gabriel Jesus himself had 62. Lukai Osaka had 60. It was just, you know, the, the disconnect between the uh, midfield and the attacking line for Chelsea just was pretty great. What do you think? Yeah, they could not get upfield to save their lives. Yeah. They at one point the announcer was like, "Well, in the last thirty minutes, um, they haven't shot on net, yeah, or at all." And I think that really describes how much of the field that Arsenal was controlling. Yes, yes, there were moments for sure in the first half. There was a sustained period of pressure um, by Chelsea on Arsenal, where they were able to kick the ball around the box a bit. Arsenal weren't able to clear the lines, weren't able to get the ball out of the half, and sort of reset. The structure got a bit dicey, but other than that, it, there just really wasn't much from Chelsea. And yeah, exactly. There, like you said, you know, there wasn't much threat in the second half, uh, especially. And I believe they only had one shot, and that was from Mark Kukurea in the 84th minute that was blocked. Other than that, that was there was nothing. There was no attacking impetus from them in the second half whatsoever. And that's a big problem. I guess, what do you think is attributable to that? Like, you know, why, why does that happen? They're missing a lot of players. They have injuries to, I mean, a whole host of players. Fafana, Reese James, Ingolo Kante, uh, Kepa, Ben Chilwell, and Carney Chukwameka. 
Um, is it just personnel issues or is there something structural that you're seeing, Maddie? I think it's personnel and a little bit of a mindset issue. Okay. Coming into this game, all the media is saying is like, oh, this is a new Chelsea Arsenal rivalry. This is a, this is a fresh Arsenal. Chelsea is looking worse for wear. Arsenal's looking hot to trot. Like a shift in mindset that Chelsea has gone through in the last couple of weeks. And it's kind of, it's frustrating because like, Potter coming in, everybody's like, oh, he's going to turn this team around and Kukurea is going to, you know, whip the back line into shape. I did not see that today. No. Um, I think he has kind of fallen a little bit in the past couple of games. Yep. And I don't, I, I, it could be just that they're missing the backup players because they're injured. And so it's a lot easier for their first team or the, the even the backup players to the first team to get injured now and going into the World Cup. We're going to talk about this a little bit later, but there's just so much more opportunity to be injured. Yes. And I think it's a little bit sh uh, a mentality shift and a uh, personnel issue. You think players are sort of dialing it back a bit as the World Cup looms? I can't imagine how they wouldn't be. Yeah. They're just trying to protect their health, trying to get to their, you know, national teams at the end of the first half of the season and, you know, just be healthy going into the World Cup, basically. Yeah, and even protect their, like, careers. Because, you know, when you, you're tired and your muscles are tired and you have to keep playing, that's when major injuries happen. Yeah. That's when stupid mistakes by defenders you get slide tackled into. Like, yeah. those moments can make or break your career and with so much on the line this year, this season, I'm not surprised teams are being injured and I'm not surprised that we have this weird shift in the table where the top four from last year have fallen flat completely on in like the first, you know, 10, 15 games of this season. And even be, with Man City's, you know, massive spending this summer, they're not in first. And I'm not <laughs> shocked because it's just such a different feeling this season. Yeah, and I don't, I don't know if I'd say that they've maybe fallen flat. I, I, I think there's a... I mean, City haven't, but... Yeah, there's a sort of like, I don't know, deflated feeling. I think I, I would agree with that um, with some of these performances, for sure. I think they just look sort of tired. And that's understandable. I mean, the, the schedule is insane. You know, everyone's been looking at this October schedule and saying like, you know, how are, how are we going to make it through this? You know, we'll be lucky if we just make it through it without any significant injuries and... Not a lot of clubs can say that at the moment. I think Arsenal have actually been largely pretty lucky with their injury history so far this year. Um, and that's, I think, benefiting us on the table. Um, Chelsea aren't as lucky. And I just kind of wonder, you know, if a full-strength Chelsea would have given a much better performance than this. I think, too, the injury thing, it's kind of a vicious circle, right? I mean, once you start racking up injuries, the schedules does not do not get easier. You know, there's no cancellations because too many of your players are injured. Like they're kind of where last year. Yeah. And the year before. Yeah. And so now you have less guys to play more minutes, you know? And so it just keeps kind of devolving and devolving. And I really think that for a lot of clubs, you know, there's going to be a bit of a reprieve coming uh, from that world cup where players can take some time off and heal. Now, do you think that, Many people are looking at injury problems at a club like Chelsea or anyone, anyone else at that sort of financial situation and feeling too bad about it. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure fans of the teams are feeling pretty um, 
frustrated with the injury situation. Yeah. But you have money seeping out of your pores. <laughs> you can't, you literally can buy replacements. Like yeah. you can buy the newer, better version, the younger model, the, you know, Chaloba 2.0, mm-hmm. which is, let's face it, a lot of people. Um, I don't, I don't think Chaloba has been good in the past two games we've watched. Yeah, he's he's been okay. Yeah, I don't I don't think he's been great either. I mean, this this Chelsea defense, honestly, they I think they held up pretty well, uh, all things considered, in this match. Oh it, yeah, the scoreline could have probably been worse than it was. They they, I think, managed. Um, but you know, it's obviously not at its full strength at this moment in time. Yeah, do you want to talk about the goal? Yeah, yeah, let's talk about the goal. Um, Can what you recount what happened? What a weird, weird. I didn't see like the entire scenario when mm-hmm. it had happened, but it was off of a corner yep. and uh, it was kind of like a melee in the box with weirdly enough, two people just standing, not moving <laughs> in the middle of the box, having a nice little like dance with me moment. And, and embrace. Yeah. Um, and Gabriel decides to just kind of run the ball into the net with him. Um, <laughs> he sort of ran into it. He yeah. did. He, he, him and the ball ended up in the net. Yeah. Um, for the for the one goal, but Kukurea's defensive tactics <laughs> were so weird. Yeah, and Jaka didn't move. He no. didn't try to get out of it. No, he just said, "I really need this hug yeah. right now." It's kind of cold. Yeah, I'm, you know, I'm lonely here. Yeah, no, it Things was, it was a at home. warm embrace between you know two uh, foes on the pitch. But yeah. Um, yeah, it was it was very strange. Kukurea really doesn't make a move on the ball. It sort of just bounces right past where they're standing mm-hmm. um, into a gap in Chelsea's uh, defensive coverage. And yeah, big Gabby, uh, Gabriel Megalash, our center back, who has a, I would say, knack for getting on the ends of corners. He scores quite a bit of goals for a center back. Um, I think he had five goals last year for us. And He's probably got at least three this year. He's doing pretty well. Um, he just kind of waltzes in and, and just taps it in into the net. Um, pretty strange defending, I'd say, for Chelsea on that set piece. Uh, Bukayo Saka gets the assist there. But yeah, it just kind felt of across the six and then just went in. Yeah, yeah, it felt like they were all kind of rattled from uh, the game, I guess. And yeah. maybe they weren't expecting it. But it felt like a very... Um, absent-minded defense tactic a lapse in judgment perhaps yeah yeah or just you know maybe somebody really needed an embrace and he was there for his friend in that moment <laughs> like he did not i cannot get over how neither of them moved i know towards it's so the weird. Ball. <laughs> they just stood there um and it sort of effectively screened mendy I, yeah and i don't even know if you could say that like that's a tactic from arsenal because kukure was holding him yeah exactly and i'm sure jaka's supposed to be doing something you know but he <laughs> Not just being didn't just do anything yeah and so yeah it just made a weird weird moment in the box um and arsenal were able to capitalize do you think uh there was a little bit extra something in there for Arsenal because Oba was on the pitch, not taking it personally, but kind of taking it personally. Yeah, I'm here. I'm blue, he says. So there was all the promotion leading up into the game. Um, I think it was probably something on like Sky or something. Yeah. And Oba was in it in his Chelsea blue. And of course, they're playing up the fact that he's a former Arsenal player, definitely had some great years for us, and now is at a crosstown rival, which 
is not a new thing. Uh, see Sesc Fabric S um, for historical context. Um, and so, yeah, there's definitely, uh, you know, there's definitely something going on there. Um, you know, of course, Arsenal, uh, and particularly Mikel Arteta, you know, don't really feel too much, I would say, affinity towards Oba at this point. Um, he had a weird exit. He did. And I'm sure it's pretty much likewise for Oba. I don't think he has any love lost there as well. No, um, the tackle on Ben White made that one pretty clear. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm sure he like still has a decent relationship with the players and stuff, but like for most of them. But, yeah. uh, you know, they I think they definitely saw it because after the game, Gabriel tweeted, nothing personal, London is red. Yeah. Um, you know, and uh, there were some posts made on Instagram that said nothing personal and apparently Oba liked one of them. He did not have a good game. And I think that... <laughs> must feel pretty good for Arteta and for the Arsenal players that they didn't let this guy come in um, to this match and, I don't know, I guess Run inflict pain. Yes. yes. The guy played 64 minutes. This is Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang. 64 minutes for, ch- for Chelsea. Touched the ball eight times. Eight times. That is unbelievable. He had one shot that was blocked in the box. <laughs> that was his contribution to the match. That is a poor performance. And I think it will serve as a good reminder to Arsenal fans why uh, Aubameyang left in the first place because he does this like lone wolf thing where he doesn't really participate in the play until it's in the very final third and there's a chance to score and then he kind of comes to life. But that he's there for glory, but not for the buildup. Yes. So there's definitely some tactical reasons for that. I think Kukurea got pinned back by Saka. Um, I don't think Mason Mount had a particularly good game. Um, by no. the way, we're all the, you know, anonymous Instagram posters defending the valor and glory of Mason Mount today. Do you think they're going to attack us and get the pitchforks out again? It, yeah, I mean, we, we made one reel about Chelsea. And of course, everybody's jumping to the defense of Connor Gallagher. Yeah. I whatever, mean, Chelsea. Yeah, you know. It makes me not want to like the team when the fans berate me and give me death threats in the morning. <laughs> you wake up to them. I do. Yeah, so 1-0. This is obviously a great result for Arsenal. They go back to the top of the table after City beat Fulham on Saturday. A bit of pressure there. I'm happy the guys showed up and, and got this result. We're not going to get into that game, but what a bullshit game. <laughs> yeah, the penalty was so frustrating to watch. <laughs> That was soft, very soft. I think the Jao Cancelo red was also soft. Okay, but I like, didn't see that. it's just it, mm, it. It's hard to not see the the script writing this season. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, they're trying to uh, keep some contenders around. Yeah, it's a little bit of dodging. Can't be a one horse race this yeah. soon. Yeah. We must keep the people interested. Yeah, not that a four point gap is somehow insurmountable for that city team, but that's. Uh, different conversation i think holland himself could jump the four point gap <laughs> and land and two yes. feet land uh, i don't know where i'm going with this okay. should let's, we move on let's move on yeah all right let's move on to aston villa three one man united unai emery breathes his life force into the aston villa side and man united are confused and unai emery always reminds me of like a star wars name like oh yeah okay <sighs> It is me, Unai. Bow to me. Good evening. <laughs> I think it works. So he's breathing his life force into Aston Villa, who also kind of sound like a villain um, in yeah, my yeah. head. I really like the team, but um, it's just funny that he chose Aston Villa. 
What changed? What changed for Aston Villa between uh, Stevie Boy Wonder <laughs> and Unai coming into this side? That's a great question, Maddie. Thank you. <laughs> what did change? I mean, re- realistically, did much change here? I don't the know. The ability to score did. Yeah, it definitely did. That definitely changed. He unglued their eyes. <laughs> and, you know, I mean, you could you could attribute it to many things. Um, you know, the way they're set up, perhaps. The the, the, the lineup they chose. A little the bit formation they chose. Yeah, yep. it's all, all a little different. Ollie Watkins moved from a, like, striker wing to soul striker. Yeah. Um, yeah. When Dia starts, Bailey's playing. Um, had a great goal. You know... Villa had a few chances in this game and they scored a few goals. I think they had, you know, their shooting boots on today, I guess you could say, because they really didn't generate a lot of good chances. No. They just happened to score every chance they got, basically. Um, actually, I think they only had... Three big chances? Well, that and they only... Oh, they ended with four shots on target. So they, they didn't score every single shot on target that they had. They did miss on one, but... Oh. I think... That's, it's an interesting question because you could say, you know, this is such a great start for Unai Emery's side. You know, he comes in, gets a win against, you know, a big club at home. Aston Villa haven't beaten United at home in like a bajillion years, you know. Um, so, you know, what changed? Um, I don't know. I don't, I'm not sure that much has changed, to be honest. I think The new manager just, buff? Yeah, I mean, they got, they probably, the vibes have changed, I think, yeah, more than anything. Yeah. Um, I mean, S- uh, Steve... What's his name? Gerard. Thank you. <laughs> Steven Gerard didn't really seem like he believed in his team. And it's hard to play for a manager who says that Chelsea should have kicked the shit out of him. Yeah, exactly. Unai Emery comes in. He's like, hey, I believe in this team. And I believe that we're going to win trophies. And I really like these guys. And the guys are like, oh, dad, <laughs> thanks. I've been waiting for you to come home. <laughs> yeah. And like, you know, how it's like very flowery analysis, whatever to be like, yeah, the, the feeling around the club is probably better. But like, it did feel like Gerard was just like, so like terse and yeah you know, he just he unhappy very negative and of course this is how things go towards the end of a, a you know coach's tenure wasn't that also his beginning though <laughs> didn't he just start at aston villa well no i mean he was uh at rangers before right but um in the premier league that would be his first job um so yeah i mean i don't know i think he just he had a bit of a uh, temperamental issue, I suppose, and it didn't lend itself well to Aston Villa performances. This one definitely still, uh, you know, there's some there's some things to work on, I'd say, for Unai Emery's side. Oh, but, yeah. Um, obviously, a very great result for them and a tough one for Manchester United. Yeah, uh, they <laughs> did not. They looked like the team that lost 4-0 to Brentford. Yeah, and I think it, there were some things about this that was very characteristic of that. Because they conceded two goals in the first 11 minutes. And then they put their heads down and they said, man, like (laughs) it's, it, it just shows how quickly you can get shaken or how quickly Man United get shaken because people have come back from, you know, three goals down, i.e. leads. (laughs) Like there are ways to come back, but it, it's, Manchester United just don't feel like a team that build themselves back. Yeah, and I think that's an interesting question. I mean, you know, wh- you know, if, why? Why is that? I mean, th- they had to rotate this um, squad a bit. Ronaldo started and captain the side. Uh, Donny Van de Beek, they dusted him off and got him uh, some minutes. Went out there and looked handsome. Um, <laughs> Garnacho, our boy, uh, Alejandro Garnacho. 
uh, gets a start, played 65 minutes. Uh, didn't necessarily impress a lot, but then again, United as a whole didn't either. You know what they missed? What did they miss? Fernandez. You think so? Yeah. I think he is... So the partnership of Erickson and Fernandez, now they don't work together very well because they have very different philosophies of how they play midfield, Mm -hmm. but they work on the field really well together because Erickson is much better at feeding balls forward and Fernandez is much better at being forward. Mm. And he's good at the little, the little passes around. And Erickson is really good at like seeing the, the whole field. Yeah. And between them, they have a really solid base for an attack. Sure. Without Fernandez, it's Erickson feeding, what, uh, 11 passes into the final third, eight accurate long balls. None of them could be finished, but with Fernandez up there, it's a little bit more like uh, Erickson is the manager and Fernandez is like the man directly under him. Like, here, guys, this is what the manager's telling us to do, like mm-hmm. giving them the direction. Yeah, I see what you mean. Er- Erickson, yeah, pulls the strings. Fernandez is kind of the... He's a hero ball guy. I mean, what can you say? He, the guy loves the gore. He wants Instagram posts. He wants to score goals and create assists. He wants to get, you know, create penalty chances and things like that. That's what he loves to do. And it's, uh, that's, I mean, that's got its uses, of course. Yeah, I mean, just looking at the numbers, though, I mean, Donnie Vandebeek, again, we're talking about low-touch performances. He played uh, 65 minutes. He had 18 touches. And ostensibly, he is kind of your offensive orchestrator ahead of Erickson and ahead of Casemiro. And yeah, not much orchestrating going on when you'd only touch the ball 18 times in that amount of yeah. minutes. He looks lost up there. Yeah. And so, you know, at the end of the day, you know, United create eight shots, um, a bunch of them from outside of the box. It just was a pretty like poor offensive performance. And I don't know. I mean, I just think that this, this lineup that they rolled out was just way too unbalanced. It was, it was a bit, I don't know, naive, I guess, from Ten Hag. Now, does this go back to the personnel issue or the something else? Because on their bench, they have Fred, Scott McTominay, Harry Maguire. Th- these three players who have played for United for years. Mm-hmm. Scott McTominay didn't even go on. Harry Maguire, none of, none of these players went on. Yeah. Do you, do you not see Scott McTominay like even replacing Casemiro? They're like they had two more subs and he did not use them. He didn't get fresh legs. They didn't, they weren't meshing well on the field as a team. Why not make a change? That's not three, uh, two offensive players, three offense, two offensive players. Yeah. Van de Beek and Garnacho were the guys that came off. Right. And then Luke Shaw, Shaw as well. Luke Shaw, I think it was pretty decent in this game. I mean, yeah, he, he got the goal. He got the goal. Um, yeah. Who am I thinking of here? Jacob Ramsey nearly batted the cycle in this game. He had a, a, a goal, an assist, and an own goal. Um, so actually, I don't know what else. Maybe a penalty goal uh, would be the cycle in soccer. But yeah, a bit unfortunate there. But yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think here again, I mean, we're talking about the same issue that, um, you know, Tottenham are experiencing, Chelsea are experiencing. Uh, you know, United are playing in the midweek. They've uh, had a tough run through the Europa League. They played, I believe, at Real Sociedad last week in the middle of the week, and they needed to score two goals to go top of the table and avoid playing some extra fixtures in the knockout stages of the Europa League. They did not do that. So there's probably some energy expended there um, to try to, uh, you know, get that top spot and avoid playing extra games. 
they didn't do it. Um, so I wonder if Ten Hag just looked at it and said, you know what, I've got to rotate these guys. Fred and McTominay, you know, uh, I've been playing a lot of midweek minutes and they're starting to show some wear. Maybe, you know, again, those guys are, uh, I don't know. Yeah, maybe th- maybe they're both kind of looking towards the World Cup as well because I believe they're both going, Fred and McTominay. Scott McTominay played 32 minutes against Rio Sociedad. <laughs> he played 29 against West Ham, 27 against FC Sheriff, 10 against mm. Chelsea, 14 against Tottenham. He has not been playing this season since Ten Hag took mm-hmm. over he it's a solid shotgun blast in my theory yeah <laughs> uh, maybe it's because scott mctominay kind of sucks i don't know he's a um, reckless player <laughs> yeah, he keeps scoring these like bailout goals for united but yeah i think you know i mean once you buy a casemiro i think that's pretty much a direct replacement for tom mctominay uh, essentially wouldn't you want to change something on the field though if it's you're, you go down three three goals yeah and i think i think you know Bringing on Alanga makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, bringing on Martial, you know, is that's a choice, I suppose. I mean, Martial and Ronaldo on the same on the pitch at the same time is interesting. You know, what, what was the stat about Ronaldo? Um, he has more fouls than shots on target this season. Uh-huh. He has seven fouls and six shots on target. Yeah. So I mean, I, I just think that you look at the, you look at the sort of the entire structure of the game for United. You've got a guy in Van de Beek who's not getting, he's not seeing the ball. You've got a guy for in Ronaldo who can't get a shot on target to save his life. Who's running around and, you know, throwing, you know, fits on the field uh, like he does. Um, he's, uh, his powers are obviously waning. And I just think that like, you just kind of have like uh, a squad that's in flux that needs some changes. And yeah, I mean, this is kind of like rolling out the best that you could do at this point. Yeah. I mean, with the past couple of weeks, everybody's been like, oh, man, you, they're back. They're they're never going to lose again because they won a couple games. Yeah. And they sold their midweek fixtures, and they were looking really good. But all it takes is one Aston Villa team to make it all crumbling down. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think this is, it's just the hallmark of a team that's in a rebuild, right? I mean, yeah. they're going to have some good performances. They're going to have some bad ones. Ideally, what you start to see is that the good ones start coming yeah, more regularly than the bad ones do. Um, this I is think that's very, very much high true. Level analysis, um, but it's like I mean, it's, it's just, that's what happens for these teams. I mean, I've seen it with Arsenal. I've seen it, we've seen it with other clubs. And like Aston Villa needed the win. Aston yeah. Villa needed. They wanted it more. Essentially, they had the new manager in. They wanted to show him what show me what you got yeah. kind of deal. And sometimes it's just how it happens. Yeah, for sure. I mean. Everybody in Astonville is trying to prove to Unai Emery that they should have a starting role. Yeah. You know? So yeah. you've got to take your chance. Yeah. And I mean, Luca Dean scoring a thunder bastard from downtown is certainly going to be, uh, <laughs> you know, help his case. Leon yeah. Bailey finishing a really, really wonderfully taken uh, goal from the left side, left footed shot that he got past the defender and just basically put it in off the post was really lovely once again and then Jacob Ramsey smashed home a really good chance that was uh, squared to him in the box so yeah I mean you know there's some young players in the squad that are trying to prove themselves um, some people who have been sort of in and out of the squad under Gerard that are trying to prove themselves like Emi Bundia and yeah I mean I think they uh, you know got off to a good start I suppose I've sworn my fealty to Unai Emery. I've explained this before. That means I will, uh, of course, continue to support him however I can while he's at Aston Villa. Financially. Yes. Emotionally. Yes. Um, That doesn't mean that I will support Aston Villa when they play Arsenal. I hope they get soundly destroyed by us. But um, 
yeah, Unai Emery is, after all, my dad, and um, I love him. So, congratulations, Dad. Maddie. Let's let's move on to the final game of th- that we watched this weekend. <laughs> Besides, we did rewatch the, the final Leeds game ever. Nottingham. No more soccer. No more soccer. We're done. The podcast it. is done. Yep. Sorry. Uh, Tottenham one, Liverpool two. Second half heroes. Tottenham finally show up, but can't quite perform preform <laughs> to the Conte standard. <laughs> And Liverpool get their first away win in six months. That's Premier League. Premier yes. League away win. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Obviously, this is the, I, I guess I'd say the second uh, sort of headline match of the day after the Chelsea-Arsenal morning match. Yeah. Mike, um, I have a question. Yeah. This uh, second half narrative is coming up now about Tottenham. Yeah. It's new. Let's, first question. Is it real? Are yeah. they actually a second half team? Yes. Uh, in my eyes, yes, I believe they are, are more dangerous in the second half. Yeah. I believe they are good at scoring those late-minute winners in yeah. the second half. And I am terrified of a second half with Tottenham. Um, and I am so happy to see that they did not perform in the <laughs> second half. Or, I mean, they did. They they really showed up in the second half, but couldn't quite get one past Allison. I agree. I do think there is something happening here where they are playing for the second half. Mm -hmm. Now, the question becomes, is it intentional? (laughs) Um, Probably not. I I don't think Conte would want to see his team go down multiple times (laughs) in a row. Like, that just doesn't seem like a Conte mentality thing that he would be like, oh, yeah, guys, no, it's okay. We're down 3-0 at half. But, like, guys, we're a second half team. We're coming on strong. We're going to score four. Yeah. (laughs) Um, I don't think it's intentional. I think they're like in taking data while they're playing mm. and they go back at halftime. And they're like, beep, boop, boop. You know, <laughs> this player does this. I can counteract it with this. Da, da, da. Um, and they learn yeah. from their mistakes. Um, one of them being playing Eric Dyer, uh, <laughs> huge mistake. The Janice face of Eric Dyer. That is my reference for the week. Uh, he had a two half performance, I would say, because the first half, not so good. The second half, kind of good. Um, <laughs> not so good. <laughs> I think it's definitely like not, in, it's not intentional in that Conte, like very obviously, like you said, doesn't want them to be conceding goals and playing poorly and then suddenly playing very well and not conceding goals. That doesn't make any sense as a strategy. Conte, I think, is a bit cuckoo, but that would even be uh, a bit, uh, it's a step too far for him. I don't know. I don't know what accounts for it. I think it, there's a slight mentality thing. Some people suggest that Spurs, they sort of dial back the intensity because they want to preserve their legs, not only for the match as it, it progresses, but also just for the season, I guess. Um, I have questions about that because they keep dropping points. So what's the What's the point if they're, you're doing that? They're gambling on the second half with yeah. their stronger legs than the other team when the other team could potentially, have you know, put the game away, have put the game away and or have more stamina than yeah. they think yeah. uh, or sub five people on the field and that is have fresh point. legs. So it's a big gamble yeah. to not perform to your highest standard in the first half and not give a good showing your fans leave your will to play leaves (laughs) your i hate watching second half teams and i say this as a united states men's national team where the entire thing is that the united states men's national team is a second half team i hate it yeah because 
I'm sitting there waiting for the second half to begin 15 minutes into the first half. Yeah, exactly. Just play the game. And Spurs fans, you know, they're, they're booing their team off at halftime. They're down two goals. They haven't really shown. That's a lot of support. Much threat. I, I don't know. I can't really blame them though. It's, it's not fun to watch. You know, they sit back. They, they're trying to play defensively in counter, but they're not playing defensively well. Yeah. You know, the goals that Liverpool created, they were, there was tons of space for, for Mo Salah. I mean, obviously the dare, the dire, uh, you know, mistake was, I don't know that weird, first, the Salah goal, the first time he got that shot off so quickly. Yeah. I mean, very elite and player. put it away and, yeah. and it was very, very nice to watch. And two very quick moments, a uh, lapse of judgment and, mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, a very unfortunate headed back ball back oh, to uh, Yoris from from Dyer. It falls to Salah, who's alive to the fact that the header was <laughs> all wrong. It went off of Dyer's own shoulder somehow. I was still alive. No, maybe the ball hit him in the shoulder initially and not his head, or he somehow managed to hit the shoulder off of his head. It doesn't make any sense to me. Anyway, the ball took a bad bounce for him. Uh, Salah scooped it up and. It took a really, I mean, composed finish, yeah. but he did it. Um, nice chipped goal as well. So that put him down, you know, Spurs down 2-0, and that was the first half. Now, uh, NBCSN at halftime, they were sort of, um, or perhaps it was full-time, they were sort of accusing Conte of being too reactive. Um, and I think this plays into this question of second half versus first half. Do you think Conte is just too slow to make a change? No, I don't think he's too late to make a change. I with subs I think that's a good time and he also made really good subs that really affected the game in a positive manner um I really I I think there's something going on with Tottenham that like Sun couldn't finish Richarlison wasn't producing there's some it feels it feels like a very different team. I don't know why, but before with Tottenham, it always felt like Tottenham were this like very cohesive unit. They were like, we're not leaving Tottenham because this is Tottenham. We are Tottenham. And now it feels a little bit more like Harry Kane could potentially leave at the end of the season. <laughs> okay. So you think uh, he's got a foot out the door? Is that your theory? No, not him per se. But the team feels much more like they they don't have like that allegiance, I guess. Hmm. Okay. Does do you do you see that at all? I mean, I could, I could get that from Conte just because he's not at places for very long, and okay. so perhaps if things just don't quite go well, maybe they don't invest as much as he thinks they should in the summer or in January. Then you know he hits the. Uh, you know, road for greener pastures. If the question though is like, are is is Conte too slow to react? I don't I don't necessarily think that's the case. I mean, I think he made some really good tactical changes in that Chelsea game, for example, um, that mm-hmm. we watched you know weeks ago now when Thomas Tuchel was still in place. Um, I think he's a very astute manager, obviously, yeah, um, one of the top in the world. And yeah, I think maybe they're also just struggling. I mean, if you look at their injuries, it's to probably the three most key players at this point, uh, Hyungman Son, Richarlison, and Christian Romero. You know, talking about attacking options, defensive options. Um, Kulisewski came back in this game, but he's been injured as well. So, you know, maybe some of these narratives are forming around Tottenham that aren't necessarily fair. Um, but I do think the first, second half thing is real, and I think it's a, probably a bigger worry because, yeah, Tottenham keep dropping points. Um by being bad for 45 minutes 
every game. Yeah. Making stupid mistakes in the first half to say, oh, well, we've got 45 minutes in the second half and we're going to come out stronger than the other team. Yep. Um, yeah. Let's talk about the second half, though, where Tottenham were pretty good. Um, it was nerve wracking. It was very nerve wracking if you're a Liverpool fan. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it was not the strongest defensive performance for Liverpool, I would say. No. They. I don't know. They, just did, they still just don't look very tight at the back. Um, Ibrahim Kanate, I think, was their best defender. Um, he's quite active. And maybe this is a game that suits him a little more because, you know, they were sort of sitting back a little more defending their box. And I think Van Dyke, um, in his prime, was best at sort of the open field stuff and diverting danger um, and allowing Liverpool to play a pretty high line with a, with a bit of risk there. But... Um, Kanate had a good game. He's alive to a lot of things. Though Spurs um, came to life. This is the second half. This is uh, their half. They love to play in the second half. If only Famously. they made the entire game out of second half. Yeah. Then they would play so well all the time. Um, we didn't mention it. Ivan Perisic was basically like a second striker in this game, which was just very strange. But uh, he did like a decent job of it, I guess. Yeah. Um, got, he had a shot that hit the crossbar, I believe. That was really unlucky from him. Um, I think they very much could have generated a second goal. I don't think Perisic playing in like the Hyungman Sun role was an issue, I guess, necessarily. Um, but it was very strange to see. But then Kulusevsky came on, and Matt Doherty came on. And Kulusevsky gets the assist for the King goal. I think he just brings so much more life to the attack than what they had with their other options, um, even with Richarlison. And he yeah. looked really, really good. Um, He's really good at seeing the field for like a, a roadmap basically yeah. like he can see the roadmap to the goal yeah he yeah that's a good point he has a great delivery um i think he he just passes the ball in the box really well um kane's finish on that goal was pretty superb you know he just like yeah. jacob noted he yeah. wasn't even looking at the goal until the ball was released from his foot so he knew spatially where he was in the box and how he had to orient himself to get the perfect angle to get it past allison and keep it in front of the defender on his hip. And he did it. I mean, that was a really top class strikers goal for sure. Um, but yeah, assisted by Kulisevsky, I think he gave them a lot more um, attacking threat when he came on. Um, another interesting change was that Dyer kept overlapping on the right and they were actually feeding him out wide and Dyer was pinging balls into the box. That was something they weren't doing in the first half. Um, and I think that did actually uh, help a bit as well. And I think, you know, Dyer maybe. <laughs> They, were, they kept saying uh, that he was trying to make up for his mistake and that, you know, one of these crosses is going to end up, you know, going in net. And uh, that would be how he did it. But unfortunately for Spurs, that didn't happen. They really locked down our, uh, They really locked down Liverpool's defense uh, for that final, like, 15 minutes. It did not move out of Liverpool's half. Yeah. It was um, very shaky defensive. Um, I think... Allison had to go up twice against one on one with a Tottenham um, yep. offensive player. Uh, there were multiple times where Trent or Kanate or Fabinho would try and head the ball out as a clearance, and it wouldn't get very far. <laughs> there, it was like their clearances would go directly to a Tottenham player. Yeah, almost every single time, and it was pure panic. Yeah. 
It was, yeah. I mean, I think Darwin was their outlet, and then Darwin came off in the 87th minute. He looked gassed. He looked gassed in, like, the 65th minute. <laughs> he was a tired boy. Uh, he, he looked real. I thought he really, I think he, he was a really good first half player. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, you know, Darwin obviously hasn't probably been as good as, you know, you would have hoped as a Liverpool fan starting out. But he obviously has like very, very valuable intangibles. He got an assist today, um, but I think, you know, his speed and his ability to receive on the wing and yeah, just be that pressure release for Liverpool was really valuable in the first half. They very much missed it in the second half. Um, and I think yeah. that was mostly just down to, like you said, Nunez being tired. I don't think it was necessarily that Spurs were covering him any better. It's just like he just didn't have the extra like half a step to get past defenders. Yeah. And that prevented Liverpool from getting out like they might have wanted to. I think he's learning like really, really fast. Yeah, he's a young um, player, you know. And I, I think he's like he he, you know, makes a different little error every game. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't seem like he's remaking that error. Interesting. So you're saying he's not headbutting people in the face every game? He's not headbutting people in the face every game. He's what it was what else did he do? Oh, he he's passing. Mm. <laughs> Weirdly enough, he's passing to Salah who scores. Mm-hmm. Like it's it's these little things that they're like, hey, this is an example of what you don't do. And he's mm-hmm. like, Okay, I can understand that. It's like uh learning by playing instead of learning by, you know, you know, words or pictures or he's learning by doing really well you know how some people learn better i I learn better seeing things or hearing it and um he's learning as he's playing and there there is this like language barrier that he's talked about before Mm. and i think when he's playing and they can point to specific instances in the game where they're like this could have won us the game that kind of puts the pressure on him to be like right that i can do that I can change that and I can learn from it. And it got <laughs> Salah the goal today and it, you know, fed him a lot more balls down the line. I thought, I think he's learning really, really well. And I, it's like exciting to watch him grow every week, yeah. like a little flower. Very interesting player. He had four shots, um, three of them from inside the box or near the 18 yard line, I should say. And an assist. Very, very strange player. Uh, he's kind of playing out of position. He's out wide now um, yeah. instead of central because they're trying to fit Firmino into things. Well, and they kind of played Salah in the center today too, which I think worked better for him. That is a key point, Maddie. Mohamed Salah, the, the, a lot of people have been saying that he's been playing super wide recently. Um, he's been too far out to the, um, you know, out of bounds line, basically playing playing down the line. He's not been able to get into central positions and, you know, shoot, um, which is a problem. Yeah. And yes, I think he definitely did play more centrally. And you know, when he started playing out wide is when Darwin Nunez was tired. He started covering the out wide with Darwin Nunez. And that's when we didn't, they didn't, that's when Liverpool didn't score anymore because Mm -hmm. he was trying to help Darwin. He was trying to help, sorry, Nunez, uh, (laughs) cover on the outside he wanted to be the outlet yeah yeah yes i think another great point um you're on fire today yes um he was all over the place Salah was um but yeah that's a that's an excellent point i mean he kind of has to be at the moment um he's definitely coming into form though i'd say he's had two (laughs) goals in this game he's got five goals in the last four games in all competitions between the champions league and the premier league um, I think he, yeah, maybe he's finding a bit of confidence. He's maybe finding a bit of form and, and fitness. 
It's always good to see those young players get find their form. <laughs> um, and yeah, I don't know. I mean, just this season to me feels just like Liverpool are working out some kinks that they maybe didn't expect to have. Um, Darwin isn't fitting in as seamlessly to replace um, an attacking player like perhaps Sadio Mane. Um, I know Jacob says he's not a direct replacement for Mane because they're different players, which is true. Um, but the output is, I think, what what they're losing there. Um, yeah. And they finished didn't product Mane. Yeah, exactly. They didn't expect that drop off. Um, Nunez, I think will come good. I mean, you just don't get those kinds of numbers and not eventually start scoring a bunch of goals. And I think you'll probably do that, but at the, for the time being, it's just going to be a bit rocky. Yeah. Yeah. Good win for Liverpool. Um, it, it was a fun match for somebody who, um, was a neutral and yeah. didn't have the flu. <laughs> Yes, exactly. <laughs> Any uh, final thoughts on this game, Maddie? No, no, not for me. Cool. Same here. I'll move on. Let's do it. Blair. Yes. With the World Cup coming up, yeah, things are going to be a bit different. Oh, why is that? Um, well, the World Cup is coming up. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there will be another weekend of games, but we won't be talking about them. We're going to be for um, the next, the not this episode, the following episode. So in a week and a half-ish, we're going to be releasing three different, two or three different episodes that week detailing each team going into the World Cup, who to watch, what to look for. Um, and this kind of leads into our topic is it gonna suck is it gonna kind of suck bro uh every day it seems like there's a new player out injured sam vines broke his tibia Mm. is in surgery everyone's talking about that vines injury right now everybody (laughs) sorry sam vines i don't mean to disrespect (laughs) you but yeah there's i mean uh, yeah there's a lot of injuries happening they're certainly racking up i mean we just talked about three games i think where teams have been heavily impacted by injuries and these are players that would be playing for big teams in the world cup so what's going on is it that the world cup is in an off month and they had to really squeeze in all of these european and uh premier league games into their schedule around the world cup Mm. so that they are playing Mm -hmm. too many games a week and there's no time to recover interesting how that might play out Mm. It's almost like putting the World Cup in Qatar in November was a bad idea. I don't know. Uh, you know, maybe maybe that's what we'll find out. I really feel like this thing might just be like a really low quality World Cup. It'll probably still be fun, but wouldn't it be kind of like sort of karma? It's sort of fitting, I guess, for Qatar and all the questions around them being awarded the World Cup for them to host like just a really shitty, horrible to watch World Cup because everybody's injured and nobody wants to watch There's it. There's no big games. It's like, uh, you know, the Olympics hockey team can't have any of the yeah. the hockey, like the actual NHL hockey. players. Yeah. yeah. It's like that. Yeah. And they're like, you know, from their beer league. <laughs> yeah, um, exactly. <laughs> they're pulling up. <laughs> Uh, you know, Brendan Aronson's little brother, (laughs) come on in Paxton. (laughs) Um, it, it, it seems like a lot of the big names are either going to be out or already in question. Um, Messi is in recovery from a slight injury. Mm. Alfonso Davies is out for a week. Yep. But it's not going to affect his world cup career. Sure. Um, 
Who was the one English player who wanted to play in the World Cup and now can't? Ben Chilwell. Ben Chilwell. Yes. It just injured himself. Wesley Fofana probably out for the World Cup. Like every Angolo Conte. Paul Pogba. Yeah. These are like the big names. Um, you know, there's a whole Sun. list. Yeah, Sun like fractured, fractured his, his face. Yeah, that sounds really nasty. Um, obviously, hope he recovers quickly. Yeah, it's just like really disappointing. I guess you know you want to see these teams at full strength. Uh, very obviously, there's a lot of players out for England. They're basically running out of wing backs. Uh, Kyle Walker's injured. He's got an injury. Reese James has got an injury. He'll probably be back, but like, you know, who knows if he'll, you know recovered to the point where he can play a lot um it's gonna create this caveat of well if england was at full strength with their (laughs) squad if france was at full strength with their squad the united states men's national team would never have won (laughs) like it's i I don't so we're gonna beat france it's nailed on (laughs) yeah yeah yeah. i don't want a caveat to the winner of the world cup just because they had injured players every team has injured players yeah i mean well Look at look at America's list too. I mean, Weston McKenney's got some injury issues. Um, you know, Gia Reyna, like the uh, article that you're reading uh, aloud from Defector, injured. he's permanently injured. Um, we know Matt Turner has some injury issues uh, at Arsenal. Miles Robinson is obviously not playing because of the Achilles injury. So yeah, I mean, we're missing key players too. We might potentially miss key players during, um, which I just think you know. I don't know, man. I just I feel like. This could be a kind of like, I don't know, just like kind of a wet blanket of a World Cup, <laughs> you know? Yeah. I, I mean, there's a lot of mixed feelings with media and Qatar yeah. and now players being injured that it it's hard to be excited. And isn't, isn't the whole thing, like, because like this is a sports washing event from Qatar. Oh, yeah. Right? Oh, yeah. Um, and I think part of the whole deal with sports washing like the clubs that do it is that you need to put out a good television product <laughs> yeah i'm just I'm like it's true like you know it sounds maybe blithe to say it that way but like you know manchester city win a lot of games and so you know newcastle are winning a lot of games and so people will just kind of ignore all the other shit yeah because um their teams are good and so i just sort of wonder like how effective this will be if the world cup just kind of sucks <laughs> i think i think with with you know what everything that's going on in the world we're looking for something to like you know root for yes. I, th- I think i think it'll be fine honestly yeah. i think it'll be exciting and you know these young kids will get an opportunity to show their merit on yeah. on center stage basically everything else is paused they get to show what they're worth yeah so it could bring a lot of unseen talent to the table and it could bring a lot of fun games um yeah. it it could bring a lot of um injustice in the world to light <laughs> so it, it could have good ramifications in the end <sighs> did you see the uh, gary neville bit uh recently i don't know which show he was on on in, in British television, but they were talking to him about going, being paid to go and do commentary for the World Cup games. Yeah. And they were asking him about his decision to do it. And, you know, he's trying to defend himself and they were just roasting him. 
maybe the, maybe more of Gary Neville roasting at least will come out of this. Yeah, yeah. Find find the positives. Yeah, can always look forward to that. I think we can all come together as a world and roast Gary Neville together. It's a beautiful thing. It is when people come together to roast Gary Neville. We're what now? Like three weeks away from the World Cup? Two. We weeks? are fifteen days away. It starts on the twenty first. Nineteenth. What did I do my math wrong? <laughs> Today's the sixth. Oh, uh, sorry. Um, first game is on Sunday, November 20th. And oh. then the, the big, like all of the other games start on the 21st. Okay. So, yeah, I mean, we're kind of, you know, we're closing in on this thing. 14 days till kickoff. Um, and then we move just into obscenity games. Um, <laughs> obscenity. <laughs> obscenity amongst. Something that's outlawed in guitar. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, they're going to have to stick so many people into the sober tanks. Uh, it's going to be ridiculous. Let's. Uh, Will they even be serving beer? Yes, they have drinking areas. They have designated drinking areas, and then they have areas where you can sober up. And they are not prisons. They have very much made that clear. <laughs> they are not prison cells. Let me they reiterate. They are just sobering up areas that happen to be barred. So are they also opening horny jails? Um, can't have sex well they do have hotels let's not get into that. have you seen have you seen pictures of the the qatar hotels for the world cup are they very nice are they very not nice do they look like walmart super centers that were converted into sleeping domiciles we wait on the edge of our seats oh, okay <laughs> so you get to <laughs> go to a, not prisons. a work camp yeah yep, and you get to break rocks during the day and then, and then at watch night, games they let you yeah, out to watch soccer and you can get drunk in designated areas and then you can go back to your accommodations. This is what dreams are made of. Let's uh, do a little bit of around the grounds uh, for the Premier League. Um, kind of, we're jumping back in. Uh, Leeds United four, Burnmouth three. We had to bring it up. We had to bring it up. Oh my God. This game was cracked. This game was so much fun. I don't know how Jesse Marsh didn't die of a heart attack. I know. that was, It was such a fun, like every single goal was so good. It was, it was the definition of lit. It First minute, 50 seconds in a PK. Yes. Only to go down three to one. Yeah. And then again, a Leeds, a Leeds late goal by Somerville. Crescencio, baby. To win it. Oh, Jesse Marsh just. Chef's kiss. Yeah. If Marsh lasts only like eight months in his job. Best eight months at ever. Lester, or at Leeds, sorry. Um, yeah, this will have been totally worth it. Oh, it's so I, much fun. I think the the wow factor the entertainment factor that he's brought as an american coach to the premier league you just can't you can't beat it man you can't buy that kind it's of entertainment amazing it's amazing um speaking of entertainment man yeah. city two fulham one it, bullshit the, the it could have been so beautiful man this weekend yeah. could have been so beautiful <laughs> could, it could have been really good uh, nottingham uh oh i spelled forest wrong forest no <laughs> nottingham forest two brentford two Huh. Wolves two, <laughs> Brighton three. Deserby, I think he's just, this is it. This Brighton, I love Brighton. I, I, I wish somehow, I wish I, I wish Brighton were in another league. So you could, I could root for them? buy all their gear and wear it around town. I think you can. You can be a pigeon, or you can be a seagull. You can join their flock. I actually really hated the seagulls when I was growing up, but um, I like Brighton. The band or the bird? I like what they've got going on. Okay. Flock of birds. Yeah. They, I mean, Brighton, I just, they just, they're, again, they're just so intelligently run. I can't get over it. Yeah. Um, love them. Yeah. 
Uh, Everton, zero. Leicester City, two. All right, Maddie, let's hear James it. Madison. Yeah. He got two assists. Uh, Tielman's got his goal. And uh, Harvey Barnes got his goal. Got as his if it's goal. Like bestowed upon him. <laughs> you have been bestowed one goal, Yuri Tielman's. <laughs> Do with it time. what you will. Don't spend it all in one place, Arsenal. Southampton <laughs> one, Newcastle four, and then a sacking. Ooh, Hassenhudel. Bum, bum, bum. Do you want to hear what Ralph Hassenhudel said after the game? Um, yeah. When asked whether he feared being sacked, Hassenhudel said, I have taken a lot of decisions since I'm here, but I don't have to take this one. <laughs> when pressed on whether he sees a way out of the slump, he added, no, <laughs> not at the moment. So, wow. Talk about a man down. Like he, he was in his feels. Ralph Hassenhudel has been through the gamut at Southampton. I think Southampton have largely played some pretty good ball. They have a nice pressing structure that can disrupt teams at times. They've been in the Premier League for a while now. Um, they've stayed up, obviously made a bunch of money by being in the Premier League. Haven't really invested much in the squad got new ownership they're making this concerted effort to get younger they've got some exciting young players but they're not you know playing at an elite level um they're playing at a level i think that you'd expect quite honestly yeah um out of them and so i don't know new ownership probably wants to uh make their stamp on things hire their guy etc etc i think hassan is actually like a decent manager though and this just sort of became a situation that soured because the club and the manager were moving apart do you think he leaves the premier league yeah good i think he's like been wanting to get out of the premier league i imagine that a coach's job or a manager's job especially at a premier league club is very very stressful i know that it is like that for you know american sports the, the rogers never really seemed stressed you know that's a fair point he was very weirdly calm yeah through all of that strife yeah sometimes you gotta be like that though you gotta be the uh the calm in the maelstrom you how know? much weed do you think he smokes does, does rogers strike you as a weed guy no no he strikes me as a very straight and narrow if he was a dad he'd be like now you'll be home by 10 p.m missy <laughs> yeah so anyway i think hassan hoodle's been wanting to retire he probably just like wants to enjoy the money he's made uh you know back in germany or, or whatever so good for you yeah, get a beach house yeah, man go yeah exactly go live in the french riviera for a while or mm, something you know eat grapes nice. and have nice cheese and wine i don't know why i thought you were gonna say gravy eat gravy yeah. <laughs> have some biscuits move to the south the american south and enjoy biscuits and gravy get into college football you'll love it <laughs> You feel younger already. West Ham won Crystal Palace too. Hey, Patty V. What's up? Good job. Nice. I love you. Um, West Ham, what's going on? What are you doing? Scamacha's not panning out. So far. But yeah. yeah. Uh, remember we talked about the whole XGD table last week? Yeah. West Ham were like decent. Um, yeah. Are they now no longer decent? Uh, I mean, we still have to see the uh, numbers reflected from this week in the table. So I'm not sure, but it's just... Again, it's just kind of weird to me. They did it. I mean, just looking at the high-level numbers for West Ham, they had five shots in this game. They generated 0.19 expected goals. Oh, God. That is Out of five shots? Putrid. Oh. <laughs> putrid. Um, three of those shots were off target. Um, so they converted on 50% of their chances, which is pretty good. So maybe uh, actually those are very good numbers now that I think about it. Yeah, I don't know. West Ham are in a weird moment. And I think David Moyes might get sacked, but we'll see. 
Well, Union Berlin mm. was knocked out of their first place in the Bundesliga yeah. by losing to Leverkusen. Five to nil. Yikes. And yeah. um, a big, big win yesterday to the newly crowned MLS Cup winners, LAFC and Will wow. Farrell. Uh, Will Farrell. Yeah, he's a he. He bought into the team. He's oh, like really? a yeah, yeah. He he was there drinking out of the Champions Cup. Oh, yeah, because Philly was bought in by um, it's always sunny. Rob McElhenney. Rob McElhenney. Uh, so he was at the game with Will because oh. they were you know on the rival teams. But yeah, sure. Yeah, it looked like a fun fun match. Uh, sad NYCFC wasn't in it but you know we we can't win every year you know that's true we We have to let somebody else win it we have to let bale get his trophy for the year because god knows he's not gonna get his world cup (laughs) (laughs) yeah if we have something to say yeah um do you want to you know recount that stat about gareth bale and trophies gareth bale has won a trophy every year since he's left left tottenham with the exception of the one year he went Back to Tottenham. <laughs> Incredible. Tottenham doesn't have a glass boot, folks. They do not have a glass boot. They have, uh, I was going to go with a, a glass jaw. Oh, okay. um, eye socket. <laughs> Ooh. Sorry. Yeah. Um, no, that game was insane though. I watched not much of it, to be honest. I watched from like the 86 minute onward and I mean, what a ridiculous game it was, you know. It, Their backup keeper comes in, yeah. what stops two PKs. <laughs> yeah, it goes into extra time. There's, you know, a, a late goal from Philadelphia, and then Gareth Bale gets one back at the dying moments, like in literally the 128th moment of the game, or minute of the game. It goes into penalties. Philadelphia, um, well, I should say, I think LAFC start. With their backup keeper in because their yeah. keeper made a stupid okay. challenge. Yeah, I, back up, back up. Yeah. <laughs> LAFC's keeper made a really stupid challenge, like Maddie said. He got very injured off of making the stupid challenge. He fractured his leg. Yeah, which wouldn't have mattered because he also got a red card from <laughs> it. So he sent off the backup keeper, John McCarthy, comes on. Um, and uh, they conceded a goal in the 124th minute. Um, to Jack Elliott, which makes it two to three. Seems like Philadelphia is going to win this thing. Got um, it in the bag. But, you know, the keeper, uh, um, Maxime Crepeau, had been down for so long that there's a ton of extra time in extra time. So Gareth Bale, at the 128th minute, goes It's a really on. nice header. He dunked on the guy. Yeah. He jumped over him, basically. It was insane. And um, He's I, got his one moment of the game. Yeah, no, Gareth Bale played like 15 minutes in this game, <laughs> and that was what that was his contribution. He came on in the 97th Just minute. Incredible. Um, because apparently he's lacking fitness or something. Oh, I don't know. How yeah. old is he now? Um... Good question. Like 33, maybe? Yeah, 33. Nice. Good guest player. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, it goes to penalties. And LAFC, they got the momentum. Things are looking good. They're at home. Christian Teo steps up. Misses a penalty. Misses the first penalty. <laughs> Not, good. Not um, good. So, Philly, come to respond. Daniel Gazdag. Gazdag? Not sure. He's got like a bajillion goals and assists this year. He's been he very good. He scored in this game. Yeah, he's very good. He's very good for Philadelphia. Kicks the penalty and the ball. It might be in orbit. It, it might have brought down oh, a plane. Oh, it went over. It went over the crossbar. Oh, and it God. wasn't even close. Oh, no. <laughs> 
terrible. Um, LAFC step up. Uh, Buanga scores his. It's 4-3. Martinez for Philadelphia steps up. His penalty is saved. LAFC respond. They score theirs. That makes it 2-0 on penalties. Then Kai Wagner, or Wagner, he steps up. His penalty is saved oh my by McCarthy. Gosh. And then LAFC win it on their last penalty, um, or on their fourth penalty, I should say. So, yeah, um, <laughs> McCarthy, who came in for the injured keeper who got a red card, ended up being given the man of the match, I believe. Incredible. It's a very Ethan Horvath kind of... Uh, oh, so Ethan Horvath. Yeah. Yeah. Congrats. Yeah. It was phenomenal television. <laughs> phenomenal. <laughs> All right, MLS. I see you out there doing it. was doing so it. entertaining. The last two MLS Cups has ended in PKs. Yeah, I think this shit's fixed, but it's so fun to watch. Yeah. 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 I mean, a Gareth Bale goal late in the game, it's scripted, but it's yeah. good. Yeah. It's a good script. I was talking... Uh, the writers this season. Mm. Yeah. I was talking with some people online, and I was like, you know, Gareth Bale is going to come in and score some, like, world eater. Oh, nice And call. then he did it, like, you know... I, 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 you know... You're so good at guessing just, these things. You're so no, good. Not to pat my own back, but... I'll pat it. <laughs> Thank you so much. You're welcome. Uh, all right. So going forward, we are moving into World Cup prep for the next three episodes in one week or two, two or three, however many it breaks into. <laughs> we will be giving you a preview of the teams that are in the World Cup. We each have our list to uh, research mm. thoroughly, of course. It's going to be pouring over the figures, the numbers, the yes, facts. the facts and the figures and all the stats. And then it's it's that dang time of the year, mm. just four months late. It's the World Cup. Yeah, Kickoff is at 11 a.m. Sunday, November 20th, 14 days from now, two weeks from today. The World Cup starts and then our lives get immensely more complicated. <laughs> And uh, a lot more soccer is watched. A lot more apologies to our fourth roommate who puts up with this. And I think, I, I mean, I'm excited to yeah. see kind of what shakes out of that. Yeah. It should be fun. Should be a lot of work. Who cares? It'll be fun. Just chat. <laughs> it's podcasting. It's not that hard. Yeah. It'll be a good time. World Cup, you know, it's happening. They so, do be doing it. Yeah, we'll see if it sucks or not, like my theory posits. Is there anything else, Blair, you would like to add? Yeah, last week I forgot to shout out Pablo Mari, who was stabbed in a very scary event in Italy. Uh, sounds like he's recovering well, which is good to see. Um, and he still remains very handsome, so he's got that going for him. <laughs> um, but he's going to make a full recovery, so I feel safe making that joke. Um, so, yeah, <laughs> thoughts with Pablo, of course. Uh, get well soon, buddy. That's all I got. Buddy. Um, once again, a huge shout out to our kickball team and the ref oh, yes. that did miss the last game. Travis, uh, he made the season so much more fun with his silly banter about Chelsea. Yeah, sorry and, about this week, um, Yeah, we look forward to playing soccer. Yeah, yeah, maybe volleyball. Who knows? I'm not playing volleyball. I have no hand-eye coordination. What if you use your feet? I think that's illegal. Let's look into it. Okay. All right. <laughs> uh, next week, we'll be back with all three of us, hopefully. And we are excited. Have a wonderful week. Cheers. <laughs>